Welcome to Season 2 of Music Rewind, a podcast where we look to tell the stories behind our favorite albums. I'm your host, Steve Epley, and in each episode, I will invite a guest on to tell us about their favorite music album, how they discovered it, and what makes it special to them. Uh, hang on, Steve. Sorry to interrupt. Actually, today, I am your host. My name is Alan Ziegler. You may remember me from such classic episodes as uh, Band on the Run, Episode one, season one, and uh, you might remember me also from the classic round table, classic rock round table. Um, so today we will be officially closing out season two by flipping the script again and putting your regular host in the hot seat. You know, Steve is the host of podcast Music Rewind and Cinema Decon, and also the creator of the sidereal media mogul. Guru, <laughs> welcome, Steve. Thank you for being on the show. It is a pleasure to be here, Alan. <laughs> We're so glad you could be here today. Yeah, I always find myself here. Thank you for coming back to uh, to play host again because uh, you, oh, you yeah. did us at the end of season one with our animals episode. Always a pleasure to help out a family member and uh, friend. You can be family member and friend at the same time, yeah. right? Yeah, I think you can be both. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Our Animals episode is our number one episode, by the way. It it reached over a thousand downloads recently, which is crazy. I can't say enough about I'm so glad that we did that because I literally lost that album in my Pink Floyd um journey. I really did. And I mean since that episode, I've probably listened to that album probably 10 times. And I probably didn't listen to it 10 times ever. I, I literally, I, for some reason, it just fell off my radar. And, and I'm so glad that we did it. Pretty soon they're coming out with that re-release of Animals, and it sounds awesome. Can't wait to hear the full album. I saw it's it on great. vinyl. I already saw it on vinyl. Oh, Yeah. It's on the Christmas list. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure Santa will bring that to you. Hey, listeners. Anyone out there that knows me knows that if there is one thing I can have while listening to a great album, it's a fantastic cigar. These days, if I'm recording, editing, or researching for this show, you will likely find me with a fine cigar from Gotham Cigars. Gotham Cigars has a massive selection of premium cigars online. All available right now through the link in the show notes. Bundle deals, buy one, get one, and weekly specials up to 40% off all help you get the best cigars at the best price. Please use the link in the show notes to help Music Rewind continue on talking great music. All right, so you ready to jump into this? What album are you bringing to the table and how did you discover it? Today, I would like to talk about the album Preservation by the Preservation Hall Jazz Band. title slash subtitle of this album is actually an album to benefit preservation hall and the preservation hall music outreach program for anyone out there that wants to get persnickety on the music title this may be a curveball for you alan i didn't know if uh, you were into this sort of music 
but this is something that is definitely special to me and uh, something that I discovered in my adult life much, 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 much further past my teenage years. Believe it or not, um, I listen to some jazz. You know, some people might pigeonhole me as a classic rock guy, which no you know, probably 75, <laughs> 75% of the time I, I probably am. But I'm, I am not, uh, I'll listen to anything once, you know, and uh, I've listened to this type of jazz before. I actually had a music appreciation class. You know, like, I guess I could say the years. It was like the late <laughs> 80s and uh, in college. And um, the teacher was, was into this type of uh, New Orleans style Dixieland style, I guess you might maybe call this right, uh, that type of jazz. So he played a lot of this for us, and I I was surprised at how much I really liked it. So I don't really go to this, you know, like a go-to type thing, but I enjoy it when, when you get to hear it. And this type of music live especially yes. is, is fantastic. Yeah, live has a lot to do with why I listen to this album and why I always return to it. If animals was my rock out angry album, this album is my happy place. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's say the stories behind how I, how I found it, how I love jazz and actually how it coincides with my, my wife and Michelle and how we visited New Orleans several times and ended up getting married there. So this this, it all comes, I don't say it all comes back to this album, but this album is kind of central in, in all of that. So did someone turn you on to this type of music or did you discover it when you were there? I discovered it over time as far as jazz. And that stems back to Harry Connick Jr. for me. So when I was in the service, I picked up several Harry Connick Jr. CDs just because they were there. And, and I liked it. I just kind of really kind of dug his music, uh, his solo piano stuff. And I took him for a, you know, another, the newest version of Frank Sinatra. He's, he's a crooner. Right. Uh, but then the more yeah. I listen to his stuff, especially the stuff you don't hear in Harry Met Sally or other places, uh, he, his roots come from New Orleans. And I wanted to figure out more. Yeah. I wanted to find out why. And, and then I discovered Harry Connick's uh, big band concert. I had the DVD and the, the CD. And in that particular concert, he's got this full swinging band. I mean, they're awesome. And I didn't know it at the time, but I'm watching pretty much the who's who of New Orleans legends. And, okay. and they all yeah. played with Harry when he was a kid. He was playing piano as a kid off Bourbon Street and at the Maison Bourbon and he would meet all these jazz guys who were sometimes 10, 20 years older than him. And he became friends with them all, created this fantastic band. So you, you got guys like Craig Klein, who now plays in Bonarama, Sidney Powell played, played the drums and uh, Leroy Jones on tr uh, trumpet, Lucian Bobberin on trombone. All these guys that were just, if you were in New Orleans, you would know those names by heart because they're all, they're all local legends and they all play at the preservation hall. So through, through walking that lineage down, I, f I found the, the Preservation Hall Jazz Band. Like, okay, well, 
these guys sound cool. And then life took over and I never really dug too deep further. Right. And then, uh, several years later, I'm out of the army and, uh, my brother Tony and I start going to Bonnaroo and they have a, the very first Bonnaroo we went to, they had a New Orleans tent and I drug Tony in there. He wasn't really, <laughs> you know, he didn't want to go in there he at first. Really a, <laughs> yeah. But it was air conditioned in there. So that was, that was, I was able to pull him in, but he enjoyed it once we went in there because we, in there, we got to see trombone shorty. We got to see galactic. Oh, nice. Uh, I mean, it was, it was just fantastic. But that in there was the first time I saw the preservation hall jazz band on stage. Like, Oh, okay. Oh. So, so how does that work? So preservation hall has a house band where all kinds of music greats come in and they have, you know, regular shows. But then the Preservation Hall has a touring band, which sometimes they do sit-down shows there when they're in town. But they're they're the ones going out and doing the festivals. Uh, they're the ones recording albums, uh, at least these days. I mean, the, the Preservation Hall, to, to take a step back, it, it's this little building off St. Peter's in the middle of the French Quarter. And they have two shows a night now, and you go there and you just kind of wait in line. And then you go in there, it's, it's, it's really just a tiny, rickety building. Yeah, built in the 1800s, and it was an art gallery for a while. The art gallery people started um, uh, having live jazz in the corner, and then the jazz band ended up being more popular than the art, so it gradually transitioned into a music hall. And then uh, on a trip to New Orleans at one time, the Jaffe family, they stayed in New Orleans, started to manage it, ended up buying it, and now their son, uh, Ben Jaffe, he owns it, and he's also the tuba player in the touring band. Wow. So he's now, he grew up, literally grew up in that hall with all these music legends. And now he's part of the band. It's, That's awesome. It's really cool. So what is it, uh, how does this music was it speak to you? Was it lyrically or just the music or the production or the sound? What What is it about this music do you think that really drew you in? It's the, it's the music and instrumentation, the way they do jazz. So to see them on stage is one thing, but when you actually go to Preservation Hall in that tiny little building, on all of our trips to New Orleans, Michelle and I would go there. We'd be first in line. We would wait an hour to be first in there because if you can, you actually sit on cushions right in front of the band. Like You got to watch out for the trombone player. It'll smack you in the nose. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's great. You are wow. right there. And intimate, it, it truly is. And you get to see these guys. The and that was the first time I really kind of saw real live jazz, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, New Orleans jazz, Dixieland jazz, trad jazz. Depending on who you talk to, there's kind of different names for it. But for for sake of consistency, we'll say New Orleans jazz. And I it was it wasn't what I was expecting because I was kind of expecting more modern New York jazz. Miles Davis style. Right, right. My, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But this is not that. And it's, it's, no. it's much more, I mean, with jazz, every instrument has their, their they have their, their, their time to shine when they play. But they're playing together, whereas modern jazz, everybody's kind of on their own. And that may be far reaching in a, in a, you know, there could be jazz fans out there listening to this that are ready to come through the iPhone. But, <laughs> but that's just the well, way they're it feels always to me. <laughs> Uh, so uh one one more thing as michelle and i were engaged and uh she asked me 
to kind of educate her on New Orleans music. Because by this point, I had CDs, I had albums, I had I had had plenty. And right about that time was when this album came out. And I was just overjoyed. A brand new Preservation Hall album. I, I got it right away. And it was something different because it was not just the band. It had all these amazing guest singers on every single track. And guest yeah. uh, instrumentalists in the band sprinkled throughout. And, and it was just it was just amazing. So you, you've got, you know, say, Dr. John on one. You got Merle Haggard. You got Jason Isbell. You got all these great singers. And every song is so different, but yet all in the same feel that you could be sitting in that preservation hall where they recorded all this and just having a hell of a time. I mean, I, it's just, I say it's my happy place. Yeah. This music, um, there, I don't know how to creatively describe it, but it just makes you feel happy when you listen to it. It's very, um, toe, get your toe tapping. It, it makes you smile. It's just very, um, yeah, I don't know what the word is, but it it makes you feel good inside for some reason, for, for whatever, whatever, whatever they're doing, however they're doing it. It just, you know, I'm, I'm listening to it thinking, yeah, yeah, I'm smiling. This is cool. I like it. I'm bouncing. I'm, I'm tapping my feet. You know, it's just a, a feel good music. You're right. You can't not tap your feet, listen to these songs. It, you, you may not be, you know, dancing up a storm but you're moving a little right. bit it's just so engaging so um this album how does it how does it flow to you do you listen to it straight through or do you skip tracks how does that work for you this album can kind of work two ways it, it is definitely one you can put on straight through but this is definitely one that i can hit shuffle and just enjoy the hell out of it yeah you can because there's really not a um i don't want to say a a specific flow but the with with each different artist they bring their own feel to it so yeah you're right it's kind of you could skip around shuffle easy yeah it doesn't really follow that standard thing which we've talked about a lot on, on the side where you know tracks five and six you want to get your your banger in there they're, they're not caring about that uh, they're just caring about the 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 individual tracks and it doesn't matter where they fall I do have my, you know, go-to songs here and there, but really every song on this album I can listen to. I don't, I don't have a need to skip any. You want to go through it track by track, or do you want to just talk about your favorites? I think we can walk through it. Okay. With the people involved on this album, I, I think they're all worth a mention, at least to get their names out there, because it's really just a fantastic album. I agree. I, I like it a lot. Well, one last story, though, about Preservation Hall. Right after the wedding, uh, or no, sorry, like a day or two before the wedding, we, we spent the week in New Orleans. And when my parents came into town, I uh, brought my dad to Preservation Hall. And we were there early, front row, just as normal. And, uh, you know, I'm talking with Tony on, my, on one side, Tony Nick, and then uh, Michelle's talking to my dad. And all of a sudden, Michelle hits me and she points, my dad's talking to Dick Van Dyke. Oh, <laughs> Dick, oh, wow. Dick Van Dyke was uh, him and his daughter walked up to the to the front. They knew the owners or whomever. Wow. And they just kind of swayed there. Yeah. And my dad just strikes up a conversation with him. Uh, and this was in 2013. I don't know what they talked about. We have to ask him. Uh, I'm sure he told me, but I just don't remember. 
but uh, yeah. eventually more and more people started noticing hey dick van dyke's there so his daughter waved inside oh, yeah. like hey can we can we get him in there uh, so he got to go in early and sit down on the side uh, but during the show i mean at this point he was either in his late 80s if not early 90s already i don't know how old he is now but yeah you, you look over there and he's 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 jamming away he, he's having <laughs> a great old time so. that's great yeah and, and again it goes just it goes back to whatever this music does to you it just makes you want to clap and tap your feet even if you're 80 something years old to take a dig at my dad <laughs> if, you, if you ask him like, hey remember when your son got married in new orleans like yeah that's where i met dick van dyke <laughs> that was his highlight <laughs> oh my but, but it's really great because no song you hear in new orleans is played the same way twice and that's the, the same because all these songs yeah. that we're going to go through uh the majority of them yeah. are, are city standards they, they've played if you if you got the same group of musicians playing the same song put them in the same room they're going to hear a whole different version and it's magic that they got these all in one yeah, night after night, night after night, they're going to play a different version, even though they're the same guys. They've done the song a hundred times. It's going to be different. They're going to improvise a little differently. You're going to hear a little this, you're going to hear a little that, just to keep it fresh. So for track one, I thought that that was a perfect track to start with. It represents everything that the album's about to do. Yeah, it starts out swinging. It just starts out swinging with this upbeat tune that I wouldn't say it's my favorite on the album, but it grows on you, especially after the first you know thirty seconds. You're you don't realize it, but you you're into it. Yeah, it's only like three minutes long, but it's the to me it encompasses the entire what's to come on this album. It's uh, "Shake It and Break It" featuring uh, Andrew Bird and uh, Lucian Bobberin on trombone. Lucian Bobberin is one of the Harry Connick Jr. guys. Oh, okay. There was one time we went to the hall and we were first in line, and I'm just standing there, and I turned to my left, and it's Lucian Bobberin standing there. <laughs> nice. And I, I was like, Michelle, look who it is. She didn't know. Like, <laughs> like what, do, what do I do? I, I, was, I was meeting, a, a, to me, a famous musician that I had listened to 100 times over. So I was like, I, so I, I, try, I tried to go and I said, hi, Mr. Bobber. <laughs> uh, I'm a big fan. Can't wait to see you tonight. And he shook my hand and said, thanks. You know, just, you know, he's like, you know, come here, come to New Orleans often. You know, just a little bit of small talk. And then. Someone comes from across the street, hands him a drink, and then they went inside. I was like, it, it was like the highlight of my, my night. Like, it, was, it was just awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, it, look up Lucian Bobber and trombone on YouTube. There's some great stuff out there. He's really a fantastic trombone player. Okay. And he's actually on more songs on this album than I thought he was. He, he guests a lot. Really? Okay. Anything else on this song, or or you want to go to track two? Well, it's neat that they give a shout out to the jazz legend Jelly Roll Morton in there, uh, where they're like, "My jelly, my roll." Oh yeah, yeah, that, that's yeah. Uh, a nice, not not so subtle shout out to him. 
I for, I forgot I forgot about that. So the song two, the devil in the deep blue sea. Yeah, heavy heavy title. So this is another fun one, but they, you know, comes down a comes down a bit on the on the tempo, uh, but it's a good tune, right. good tune. And uh, there's along with Lucian Bobber, and you've got Charlie Gabriel on clarinet on this one, and I'll keep saying it whenever I come across him. But another local legend, Charlie Gabriel just released his own kind of solo album, and he's in his 80s. Whoa, good for him. Yeah, yeah, it's got a nice solo clarinet. On mm-hmm. this song, yeah, the featured singers—I'll uh, uh, probably butcher this—but Paolo, Paolo and Nutini. So I don't know if I said that right, but I'm sorry. That sounds good. Well, I like it. Yeah, yeah. but it was a good, good song. Good song. Uh, but track three is really where things start to get get good on this album, as far as yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, it's it's almost like a left turn because now you got Tom Waits singing "Tutti Ma" was a big fine thing. Which is just fantastic. It, it's great. I didn't even know it was Tom Waits uh, until I I looked it up. So I, when I went through this album, I went through it and um, you know made my notes. And um, what I wrote for this song is, you believe this guy's voice. You believe what he's telling you, and I didn't. I didn't know it was Tom Waits until I looked <laughs> it up. But it, it drew me in his voice and the way, the way he's singing it. I mean, I totally believe everything he was saying about this song. It was it was a great vocal to me. familiar with the the mardi gras indians at all yes i think i watched a special like a documentary on on those guys or something so this is a song that kind of traces back to them and uh their unique style of singing and performing Uh, like they'll perform it when as they're walking the streets and they're yeah fancy costumes and stuff which looks awesome when you see it and yeah so but tom waste just he just nails it yeah, you know, it just fits right in. Yeah, yeah. This is this is one you'll hear often when you go to New Orleans. So this is a very very fun song and easily one of uh, my favorites on the album. Nice. Um. So track four, Louisiana Fairy Tale. So yeah, here you've got Jim James of My Morning Jacket singing. And this is another one oh. of my favorites. Okay. I didn't realize that. Uh, he sings with that style of, and I, I'm sure it's got a name, but he, with the big megaphone. There's a megaphone. That's what it yep. sounded like to me too. Yep. 
kind of scratchy on purpose with a little bit of the echoey sound. Exactly. Very, very, um, like I would say, old school 40s or 50s recording where they were, where they were, I mean, this is, I'm assuming this is what they were trying to do. Like when they all would just be around one microphone. Vaudeville style, yeah. It, you'd have, you know, no levels. You know, the guys who played louder were farther away from the microphone, and the guys who were softer were in front, and then the singer would be there. So you would, if a, the singer would maybe project a little bit more than you did during the rehearsal, you'd get a little bit of that distortion. That seems to me like what they were doing here with this megaphone trick. It's as simple as can be, and it works. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think it's a pretty cool song. And again, like these songs, to me, I don't, not a musical scholar, but I don't know how to, to describe some of the, they're very compact, these songs. Yeah. You know, three, four minutes usually is, is it. So there's a lot going on, but a lot of the instruments to me sound not the same, like, but they're using the same instruments on each song, but it's hard to kind of get a, like a musical, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, you know, to, to describe it. It's just, um, all the songs are great. They're just like right, right there. Everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing and they sound wonderful to me. And that's what I love about the trad jazz of New Orleans is that they, the guys in the band, I said earlier, they each get their time to shine on a song. And when they do, there's such respect from the other guys of the band. Yeah, they all lay, they all lay back. Exactly. And they let the other guy have his 30 seconds. Not very long. If it's, if it's time for the clarinet solo, everybody, like I said, will lean back. Clarinet dude will stand up and he'll give an amazing solo that is just how he feels. It's not like a written solo every single time. It's it's truly just how they feel. And if he wants to play a little longer, he plays longer. If he only wants to play just a couple notes, then sit down, then he does it. And then everybody kicks right back in, all with the beat and the rhythm of the music, and nobody misses anything. It's it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. You could tell all of these guys, obviously the guest singers are brand new to it as far as the group, but the the, the musicians in the background are why I love this album. When we were, before we were married and Michelle asked me to educate her on some jazz music or just New Orleans music, I would, I made her several series of mixed CDs and uh, Tootie Ma and Louisiana fairy tale were absolutely on those CDs. So uh, the uh, great, great songs, both of them. And, uh, and they keep it going with track five after you've gone with yeah. bluegrass legend Del McQuarrie. And I didn't know I didn't know that it was him. I didn't know I wrote down on my first pass, I thought it was Hank Williams the <laughs> third. At the same time that this album came out, another album came out called American Legacies. And it was the Preservation Hall Jazz Band featuring, uh, and not featuring, and the Del McQuarrie Band. And that was what I saw at Bonnaroo. 
was those guys on stage together. Didn't really realize it at the time because there was just a lot going on, but that was what I saw. Right. And it was, it was amazing. I mean, that album could have taken this one's place. So you've got just two legendary groups from two legendary different backgrounds. You got bluegrass and you got trad jazz, and it's just, it meshes so well. And uh, yeah. yeah, Del McQuarrie, love it. Great song. It makes me want to check more out from him, honestly. Uh, that's how that's how much I, I like that vocal. I got into bluegrass because of Del McQuarrie and this album. So this is one of those things where you, you just you start unraveling the thread. That's where I discovered then the the Stanley mm-hmm. brothers and then uh, like Ralph Stanley, who's prominent on the old brother where art thou soundtrack, stuff like that. From there, I've discovered old Crow Medicine show and others just in this great plethora of bluegrass bands that I could sit there and listen to them for hours too. Sure. Um, what about track six freight train? That's a classic title. Freight train is a good track. Annie DeFranco, not one of my personal highlights, but it does fit very well on the album. It definitely doesn't sound like that Annie DeFranco that most people would probably uh, think or nah, relate she, to. Yeah, it's because she's got a kind Unless of a scratch, she's doing this scratchy voice, I guess. Did she move in this direction later in her career, or I don't know, or is this just like a one-off from her? I don't, I don't know either. I did like the dueling clarinet and trumpet lines in this song. That was a highlight for me, rather yeah, than great. maybe her voice. Yeah, I say it's just, it doesn't really stand out as one of my favorites, but it fits on the album quite well. Yeah. And of course, the next one, Blue Skies, makes me just want to like sing along, but they do it in a different, a different way than, than most people probably. Yeah, this is unlike uh, any other Blue Skies that you're used to hearing. It rained all night and I'm feeling uptight. I face this city and I'm feeling kind of gritty. Oh, blue. With Blue Skies, I'm thinking, I don't know, let's say back to Frank Sinatra, some sort of crooner version, Johnny Mercer. I don't know who actually Nelson Did Willie Nelson do a a Blue Skies? Maybe. He might have. (laughs) Willie Nelson's covered everything. I mean, it's a a standard, right? So, yeah. But it's... uh, they, they, I like the, how do I want to put this? I like the arrangement of this one because this one has a lot of side voices. Yeah. And you can, people singing at different parts, not in sync with the others as if it's a crowd singing with them. And it, and you could tell they're having fun. Yeah, it, it sounded like um, in the studio they were, yeah, they were all having a good time playing this standard song that they, they maybe had sung a hundred times, thousand times in their careers, but they still had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I think you even have some banjo in there and uh, just there's, there's a lot going on in that particular tune. It's probably one of the more 
rowdy songs on the album at, po- at points. Right. Track eight features a familiar name for a lot of people. So track eight, I would say, and this is this is my episode, so I'm going to say it, this is the second best song on the album. My opinion. Okay. All right. All right. And at the time, I had no idea who Jason Isbell was. Nobody knows when you're in your pocket, not one penny. Yeah, he actually blew up, I think, not long after this album came out, because this came out in 2010. Uh, but so Nobody Knows You featuring Jason Isbell. And how to describe this one? You've got... I like the piano intro. The piano's wonderful. My favorite part outside of Jason Isbell, though, is the trumpet. You got Leroy Jones playing trumpet here. Another another legend. I got to see at Preservation Hall. He's an old friend of Harry Connick Jr. as well. Uh, but after the show, I, I made a beeline for up front and just to shake his hand. It's like, nice. That was, that was wonderful, man. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, Leroy Jones uh, recently released his own documentary called A Man and His Trumpet. So it's really good. I, I recommend mm-hmm. checking that out. He was one of my, during season one, I, I you know, shoot your shot. You know, I, I sent him a message in his team say, Hey, you want to be on my podcast? But you know, th- I got no answer, but <laughs> it, it <laughs> well, was they're, worth, they're, worth they're busy. They're on tour. They'll get back to you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I love, I, I love hearing his stuff again. That's another one along with Lucian Bobber and YouTube them. Leroy Jones is amazing. And then you have uh old rugged cross. It's a gospel standard, right? It is, and this is one that kind of grows on you. It seems kind of one of the low end ones at first, but I, I, it definitely to me is ranks higher over time. Uh, I like Brandy Carlisle's voice on it. Uh, she's got this soulful and scratchy version of it that that really you say with the soulful trombone of Lucian Bobber and again, yeah, it right. it really uh, it fits. I wrote down in my in my notes. I recognize this voice, but I can't picture who <laughs> is saying it. So, but yeah, that was it. There uh, definitely had like a gospel thing feel going on. Definitely. I like that stuff, the gospel stuff too. What did you think of track 10, Trouble in Mind? I want to hear your notes first. I didn't write a whole lot down about that, but I recognized it as Richie Havens. Yeah. And I thought, wow, that's a, a really interesting pairing, you know, Richie Havens and, and the, the band. On some lonesome railroad line let the 219 train ease my trouble mind 
Richie Havens being the opening act at Woodstock. Right. Right. At that, and that's really all I knew him as. I just knew yeah. the name and, and I don't, I couldn't name you any of his songs, unfortunately. Uh, but he died in 2013. So not long after this album came out, uh, it's definitely the slowest song on the album, Yeah, but I, I like it. It's, it's a nice, it's just a nice, uh, soulful song. Very, very intimate, sad. Yeah. And, and you need your, uh, you need your ebbs and flows in, in the album. And this might be, like you said, a little bit of a down flow, but it still has a place in this album. One tragedy that I can't find anywhere is it's, well, I say tragedy, it's a tragedy because there's no recording video of this album being made. Oh, if, if there is, no one has it, it hasn't come onto the internet. There's some pictures. So you got pictures of Richie Havens and his guitar and stuff. And yeah, it, but I would have, I mean, this, if there was ever anything to make a documentary of the making of, this would have been it. I would have, I, I'd put that damn thing on repeat if they had that. That, that would be really cool to see. That is unfortunate that nothing exists. All these famous mus- musicians. Oh man, that would have been, yeah. Yeah. Uh, track 11 features a, a young up and comer. Yeah. <laughs> I would have never guessed it was him. Basin Street is the street where all the dark and the light folk meet down New Orleans, land of dreams. You'll never know how nice it seemed, but just how much it really means. You got Merle Haggard singing one of my favorite New Orleans standards, uh, Basin Street Blues. It did not sound, it does not sound like I, I didn't know it. Until I had to go back to see, I did not recognize his voice. It did not sound like him. <laughs> there is no Mama Tried in that <laughs> song <laughs> at all. There's no outlaw country in, in that voice to me at all. Yeah, so uh, my before this album, I had a, a piano-only version of Basin Street Blues that was regularly in my playlist from, from Harry Connick Jr. And then I had Preservation Hall Jazz Band doing... Basin Street Blues from like the 60s or 70s with uh, Sweet Emma singing uh, from piano. So two completely different versions. And then this one was very, very different, but I love it. It's, it's, it's got that, it's more of a, it got a little bit of a country version to it. And, and I, I just, I like the arrangement. I like the interpretation. This song is probably what? It's probably been around since 40s. Oh, yeah. Maybe earlier, 30s. Yeah, I think that Basin Street was the um, – that's where Storyville was in New Orleans you know, before the okay. court was a thing. Back when in order for there to be jazz, jazz had to be played in Storyville, which was like where the brothels were and stuff You know, was way back in the day. So that's where Basin Street has its origins. And if I completely butchered that to any New Orleans historians out there, I apologize. But that was – Well, that – so I thought it was. My neck – that was my question. So I was wondering – was it controversial song at the time? Because they talk about where the dark and light folk meet. That's just what it was. It was um, Storyville was where uh, Louis Armstrong played when he was a kid, where he, he learned the trumpet there from uh, Buddy Bolden, Jelly Roll Morton. That's where they played. And the, the white people of New Orleans and the Creole people of New Orleans and, and the black people, they would all, and you know, that was, 
when it came to jazz and dancing, everybody, boy, am I glossing over a lot there. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to say everybody got along and everyone was all happy. That's, that's a wrong thing to say. But right. when it came to enjoying the music, there was a certain level of, of happiness and cohesion when it came to what was good music. Obviously, tons of people that did not agree with that, and there was plenty of that, of course. But when it comes to good music, the lyrics speak volume. Yeah, and, mo- and most of these songs have your traditional relatable themes, right? I mean, love, money, the weather, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're all mentioned in most of these songs, right? Yeah, love and loss and money and the weather. I mean, these are traditional themes that appeal to anyone and everyone. Yeah, they so say you got ones that are about family, the ones that are about faith. There's, there's all, there's the the yeah. basic themes of good old fashioned blues tunes played yes. through jazz. I think those are relatable themes, and that's what makes this music so so popular. I agree. I agree. So, what are we on track twelve? Twelve. There is a light. There is a light featuring the Blind Boys of Alabama. There is a light goes but there, the Blind Boys are are the part of the band. the The featured singer is, is Clint Madigan who is the main saxophone player of the Preservation Hall Jazz Band. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. Yeah, he's, he's actually, he's got a f- phenomenal voice. Love his voice. And whenever the Preservation Hall Band releases a single of sorts, uh, whether they've, they've had several singles released over the years, in the past 10 years or so, with like, I Can't Give You Anything But Love, and, and others that Clint is the, is the featured vocalist. He's got that booming voice that can do so many different ranges. In fact, if you, if you YouTube Tootsie Ma is a big fine thing, you don't get Tom Waits singing, you get Clint. Okay. And it's, and it's really in great version. One of the first things you'll see on YouTube, great saxophone player, great vocalist. And the band does a fantastic job. Let's not forget the, uh, the gospel organ sound. And that was amazing. I yeah. That nice that intro. And then the, yeah. where and then it picks up like you're like you're listening in a church. Yep. Exactly. It makes me think of the uh, James Brown scene in the Blues Brothers. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Which was a very influential film for me. Got me into a lot of different music. Right? That, Same that here. That Same movie. here. So, track 13, Winin' Boy Blears. Featuring the late, great Dr. John. Yeah, always awesome. I'm a whining boy. Don't deny my name. Love Dr. John. He's got some amazing New Orleans specific albums out there that go under the radar, but he's he's great. I like the um, 
that super low tuba sound in this. It sounds almost like a farting duck or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a really low, and it's just got that. <laughs> uh, I like the, uh, the, the trumpet technique they use with the cut mute on the end of it. Yes. Uh, yeah. Mark Broad's playing trumpet on this one. And uh, I, uh, that plus, and I had a note here on the tuba, the low tuba, so those two together, they, they have this, yeah. like you say, the, the ebb and flow of the album, but the ebb and flow of this, of this particular song where yeah. you'll have Dr. Johnny, I'm a whining boy. And then those, the trumpet and the tuba, they bring it down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah. It was a great contrast. I think is, is, contrast. A, is a good word. For yes. That. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> um, the next track is interesting. Um, rocking chair. Yeah, this is so really neat. Old rocking chair got your father. And you're playing by your side. Yeah, explain this to me. Well, there's, I have no research on this there's there's really nothing out there describing the making Louis of this song was already deceased he was <laughs> <It is>. okay <laughs> and, and i don't know if this was um what <laughs> so so obviously they took the vocals of mr armstrong yes. and put it to the band and it works it works perfectly uh, i wish i had some sort of i don't know a single paragraph describing how they made this song but but none exists. Uh, you look on the album, the liner notes. It just says Louis Armstrong. <laughs> this is lead singer. <laughs> okay, but it's great Back from the group. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I had um, at first I had uh, uh, Louis Armstrong. Is it a sound like <laughs> that was my? <laughs> you know, I didn't know. I don't know if he did this in the past album of his own. Uh, I'm not. He must have. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was a lost track. They must have I, lifted a vocal yeah. and then put the and then mm. the the jazz band put their own track behind it. I mean, that's that's the most logical. They do that now. Yeah. They do that now on songs. So I'm assuming that's this was maybe one of the early early versions uh, or early attempts at that. Maybe. So for a while there, my job had this thing, the inner office radio, where you could be a guest DJ for an hour and play your own set list oh cool it was, it was fun it was really fun uh i did that on a local peoria radio station i got to be on there and did you have to pay the royalties or did they have already the songs there or yeah yeah how did that work yeah, that's probably another story because you know what <laughs> i go in there with my i go in there with my five and they're like well can we change <laughs> this one oh my gosh no you can't change it because this is my five. anyway Sorry. <laughs> so can, well, can I, I derail. Me yeah. and my particular music. Come on. I got my five. <laughs> this is my five. No, I will not compromise. <laughs> I I might have compromised a little. I went in there with an hour of my music, and uh the set list was called A Stroll Through the Quarter. And it was an hour of New Orleans music. Uh, they had to screen it ahead of time. Because they want to make sure there's nothing offensive that's going to oh yeah right and yeah. anyone in the office uh, that sort of thing because everybody can whoever gets slotted can do an hour of whatever 
know, yeah, that rap, sounds like death fun. metal, whatever they want. They they looked at my set list. They're like, oh, you're good. Yeah, <laughs> this is a good. Whoa. This right. is a good. Uh, this is gonna uh, offend anyone. anybody. Yeah, <laughs> but because I mean, right off the bat, uh, well, I had uh, a, a, my first song was is later on this album. Actually, my second song was "Rocking Chair" with Louis Armstrong, yeah. and uh, the feedback I got was people that were fans had never heard that song before. Fans of his, like deep people. Oh, so, cool. Yeah, so that was that was kind of neat. People reaching it out after. All those playlists are available on Spotify if anybody's interested. I, I got to do two of them, so that was that was pretty cool until they, they killed the internal radio station. Oh, some, well, we won't go there. I'm sure somebody ruined it for everyone, right? Oh, yeah, corporate America. We got bought. <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't yeah. go in the direction I thought. It was, okay. Yeah, that, that just kind of went to the wayside once, uh, once corporate yeah. got involved. <laughs> so track 15, Baby Won't You. So this is another one of my favorites, actually. I really, really? enjoy uh, Amy LeVere's voice on Baby, Won't You Please Come Home. I don't know why. I can't really describe it. But I just really like it, and I actually uh, I follow her on, on social media stuff. She's got a lot of stuff. It, it's one that um, uh, she she's not very well known. She's not like touring or whatever, but she's she's a local. Uh, I think she's local to New Orleans, so don't quote me on that. But very cool. She's just got a very sweet voice, and yeah. it's a different take on on this song because I've heard other versions of this song that were more jazzy, and this one was. I don't want to say poppy, but it was just a, uh, I don't know. Maybe a little smoother, smoother yeah. jazz. Yeah. 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 What about the next track? One of my favorite guys. Steve Earle. Tain't nobody's yeah. business. I like Steve Earl. I mean, that, did you recognize him when he started singing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, I like his stuff. I mean, I'm a fan, definitely a fan. So this album came out right when uh, the HBO series Treme was playing? Yes, uh, I watched that. Yeah, and uh, so Steve Earl had a prominent role in that particular series and uh, as a musician yep. and and – I uh, had a couple of sound, songs on that soundtrack as well, uh, which I'd recommend the Treme soundtrack to anyone out there. All the seas, all the different seasons of it. So yeah, it was just just, just a good uh, good upbeat tune. Speaking of uh, soundtracks, do you know that this album we're talking about the double vi- there's a double vinyl version of Discogs, hundred and twenty five dollars. Really, I have that. Yeah, hundred and twenty five dollars. <laughs> You do? Yeah, you have the double yeah. vinyl? Yeah, that's what I bought back in nice. uh, 2010. I didn't realize nice. that. I, had a... I looked it up. I was thinking, I was thinking about getting it. And I thought, <laughs> uh, nope. <laughs> Not at 125, but I'll listen to it on um, whatever service. <laughs> yeah, the because uh, I wanted those extra songs. Ah, okay. Nice. 
Yeah, they got a couple extra songs uh, on the second disc that are crucial. Crucial to your uh, your listening ears? Yes. Track 17. Some Cold Rainy Some Day. Some Cold Rainy Day. Featuring yeah. Corey Chisel. Not a name I recognize. But this is another one where it made me want to explore the singer more. And yeah, he may, he, I don't think he's exploded like Jason Isbell has, but he does have some really cool stuff out there. He's got a very unique voice. This is a good song. One of my favorites on here because it's got that, it, it makes you feel like you're just kind of sitting inside and you're, you're blue. You're sad on this cold, rainy day. He really makes you feel right. it. You can relate to him. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Track 18 is uh, I Ain't Got Nobody. A good old classic. You know, yep. Uh, makes me think of David Lee Roth, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't got nobody And nobody cares for me I don't have many notes on this particular version. It's just a good good version of an yeah, old standard featuring either. Buddy Muller, a name I don't know. I'll let you pronounce the next track, but uh, <laughs> I do remember it has a it had a really lovely trumpet solo on it. So track 19 is La Vie en Rose. La Vie en Rose. Quand il me pense en ses bras, il me parle tout bas, je vois la vie en rose. Il me dit des mots d'amour, des mots de tous les jours, et ça me fait quelque chose. This is a very famous song. Obviously, dates back, you know, France yeah. and stuff. I'm pretty sure. Um, but this this probably rendition, a turn of century song, probably. Yeah, and this yeah. one is all in French. So she sings it all in yes. French, uh, featuring Angelique Kijo and Terrence Blanchard, who plays lead trumpet. thing about this one this is one that i put on that cd for michelle and uh she loved the song and she sought out other versions and we ended up picking the the lewis armstrong version as our first dance at our wedding oh nice okay yeah this it, is a very very famous song there's a lot of great versions out there and then the uh the next song uh, did they put the two that nobody can pronounce in a row on purpose or, or what? Say, say, si bon. <laughs> say, si bon. Yeah, this is a really good vocal, vocal performance. Really good. I liked it. She it sings very, it um, with passion. She does. Yeah. A very uh, s- smooth and silky and kind of sexy. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, I could easily say yeah, it's a sexy song. It's um, uh, Anita Bream 
is the singer, and I don't know much about her at all. Mm. Uh, but it's a it's a good song. Yeah, I wonder if a lot of these, you know, besides the big names, like you were saying earlier, I wonder if they're uh, local, not legends, but, you know, local, locally known. Yeah. You know, up, upper echelon. It's a it's a very tight community of musicians down there. They all know each yeah. other. They all play together. Yeah, I've, I've been in bars down there where there's a great, Great band playing on the stage. Someone walks in, has a case of something, you know, of an instrument. You know, they're like in the middle of a song, hey, you know, pointing across the room and <laughs> come on. And, the, and then they'll walk up on stage yeah. and then they'll just join in like they were there the whole time. I mean, it's fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. Track 21, another classic, classic song, right? St. James Infirmary. St. James Infirmary. This is the best song on the album. It's got a very cold trumpet and banjo. From Stacey Bon on is the those are these are the extra tracks. Not, not on That's the original right. version. That's right. So Jim James from My Morning Jacket returns and he gives a great vocal performance, but man, the band is just firing on yeah. all cylinders on this one. can't say enough good things about this version of St. James Infirmary. It's one of my favorites. Uh, Preservation Hall Jazz Band has been doing this song for a long time. There's probably a dozen different versions out there if you search. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, they yeah. do a, an upbeat version called the King James Remix with uh, Clint Madigan, again, on lead vocals. And okay. that's a really fun version. I, I would recommend that one. But I love this one because it is so slow and drawn out. Like they yeah. they get so much out of like one note at different points there. I mean, they just drag that note out. And it's um because the, the song is about a guy who finds his woman dead and it's yes. you feel of it. Consumption, right? Yeah. I think something about consumption in there. Yeah, it depends on the version you hear. Some versions she was she was out whoring and got shot you know some it all depends oh, on the okay. version of the song because the lyrics always change that's another great thing about this song and these the lyrics are dark yeah yeah the, the guy was walking down the street and the coroner calls him in and the woman lying on the slab is his girl and and he's yeah she was lying there dead it's it's yeah the lyrics are dark very dark and i, <laughs> I think he sings it through the uh megaphone again oh right to get that haunting sound to it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, now that now you say that, I think you're probably right. And, and then you go into track 22, which is kind of another, uh, not going to say downer, but the lyrics are, are oh. <laughs> Corinne died on the battlefield, right? I mean, uh, this is, well, j just like with Tootie Ma, this is another one that goes back to the Mardi Gras Indians.
there's a lot of different versions of it out there, but Tom Waits again comes in swinging with that voice. And I was used to the, the, the banjo version by the baby Dodds trio from like the forties. And it's, it's so different. I mean, you just, just think of a, of a jaunty little banjo. Uh, and then this is a, this is a call to action song. So the lead singer says, you know, Corin died on the battlefield. Then the backup Corin died on the battlefield. But the way Tom Waits sings it with that scratchy bass voice. And then you yeah. got the backup band, uh, the backup band, the band. It's such a different version. I love it. Great, yeah. great version. I wish I, I wish there was some sort of video of them playing this. <laughs> I really do. You search the entire inner interweb, and um, there's no Tom Waits. Not even with uh, maybe like the Dirty Dozen Brass Band or anything like. Not that I can find no. yet. If anybody has okay. it out there, please send it on to. Yes, send it a link. Send a link. Um, so the next um, song is "Careless Love" with. Del McCorry again. Another great take on another New Orleans classic. And I just love that dude's voice, man. And, and this one's kind of fun because he has that very kind of happy upbeat bluegrass voice but it's got such dark lyrics yes <laughs> i love that yeah like the second this the bonus desk is kind of dark yeah now that you think about it i didn't um i didn't <laughs> that just came to me i mean I, I literally i didn't even have that written down i'm just thinking it's kind of because the next track is sailing up sailing down this one's weird i'll say <laughs> this, this one is uh I don't skip anything on the album, but the final two tracks, they're they're there, but I don't necessarily go to them. Some are young, some are young, some are old, some are old. I thought um, I thought it was Susan Tedeschi's voice, but it's not. I was hopeful that it was because I, I love love her, listening to her voice. But it, it uh, the it last wasn't. two tracks uh, say "Sailing Up, Sailing Down," and "We Shall Overcome" are both with uh, Pete Seeger and Tao Rodriguez. Pete Seeger, obviously, that's a um, old folk singer guy from way way back. But I don't I don't know the other. I don't either. I don't I don't know the name or or what that person's done. But I mean, we shall overcome. I mean, that's, of course, that's closing out. Yeah. That was good. You know, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a group sing kind of thing. What's the Bob Dylan when they close out all on I shall be released. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you got it. It's in that same vein, right? It's yeah. it's the perfect perfect song to, to close out the, the mm-hmm. album. So we've covered uh gosh, 
there there's no real duds then for you i mean there was a few that you were maybe eh, but but overall yeah i mean nothing's i don't skip anything i really do like yeah. to put this one on shuffle it's really uh yeah the the songs that i take away and put on you know my other playlists uh, you say st james Infir infirmary uh tutti ma louisiana fairy tale down and out basin street blues there's there are several that i do pull out and like to listen to by themselves it's really just my my go-to happy place to put this album on shuffle sounds like this album is maybe like a family listening album uh it's definitely one that uh my wife can tolerate i'll say <laughs> she right so you put it on the car on a road trip. She won't. Uh, she won't turn this one off. She might turn off animals. So rather than start that argument, you know, we'll, we'll put on New Orleans stuff. Uh, but this de this one definitely just reminds me of our our courtship, our trips to New Orleans. You know, as as a dating couple, engaged and then married, all in New Orleans. And several of these songs were were played at our wedding. You know, we we went full. You know, tourist destination wedding, you know, dance down the street with a band in front of us. That was great. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So not only is it, uh, it's great music, but it also holds all those special memories as well. So it's like a double bonus album for you. It does. It does. And this, this, uh, this episode will probably come out right around our anniversary in September. So that works oh. out too. Yeah, uh, there you go. Bonus, bonus, bonus. Is there anything else you want to talk about with this album? Or do you think we've pretty much... I think we've pretty much covered it. Let's say Preservation yeah. Hall, if you're ever in New Orleans, it is worth it to just go get in line and listen to those guys play. They, they're amazing. You sold, you sold me on it. If it's anything like this album down there, I've never been to New Orleans, so, and I would love to... That's, to go sometime. And that's a good point. Um, the uh, This album really feels like you're there. You know, some of their other albums are either, well, they are very old or, or just, or they're trying to do different styles. Like they've done some Cuban style jazz lately and other things. This one feels like you're sitting at the hall watching these guys play. And that's one of the reasons I love it. Yeah, it does make you feel... Like I feel like they probably recorded this almost live. Oh yeah, maybe, and maybe they might have threw some of the singers on later, maybe. But it does have a very lively. Um, I'm going to assume they put Louis Armstrong on later. <laughs> Besides, of, <laughs> of course that one. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely that one. Yeah. Uh, well, the Preservation Hall is where the Foo Fighters recorded Sonic Highways. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so the, the Preservation Hall Jazz Band is in the background. They're the backing band for the Foo Fighters on that particular song. Uh, and I'm sorry, the song name escapes me at the moment. But uh, after they recorded it, they actually opened up all the windows at Preservation Hall and uh, gave an impromptu mini concert to everybody on this little tiny street. Trombone Shorty was there. He's on the song too. And just, wow. And they did this like freaking a week and a half after we were there oh, like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would have been was great. that on the um 
Was that on the Sonic Highways documentary? Yes. It was. Okay. I don't know I'll if that, to go that, back and that watch. full mini concert, I don't think, was on there, but the recording inside okay. the hall absolutely was. That's okay. It's the New I'll have Orleans to go back episode. and watch that because I, um, I watched most of that and uh, I don't remember. So I'm going to have to go back and watch that. Yeah. The Chicago episode and the New Orleans episode are my favorites of that particular documentary yeah, for that, obvious that reasons. That was a cool cool documentary i, I like that I, I like hearing dave Grohl talk about how just being in new orleans inspired him for that song and, and it's a good song yeah you know, it's it's not their best song but it's definitely uh really a, a good song and you can hear the little uh reasons in his lyrics the, the little parts of new orleans you can hear it right right okay so we've um pretty much covered everything on this album what um what albums made your shortlist but didn't uh, make the top top spot? So for a shortlist, I, I focus more on a jazz shortlist. Okay. This particular time. And uh, the previously mentioned American Legacies, which is the Preservation Hall band with the Del McCorry band. Everyone should check that out. Harry Connick Jr. has two very specific New Orleans uh, jazz albums in his own way. Uh, one's called Oh My Nola, and the other one's called Chazan de Vukeri. Uh, so Okay. <laughs> uh, Vukeri is French Quarter in French. So oh. I don't know what Chanson Du means. Maybe it's Dance the French Quarter or something. Listeners, please respond with your answers. <laughs> uh, well, Chanson de Vukeri is actually all <laughs> instrumental. So that's just an instrumental album. And then Oh My Nola is uh, a lot of standards. You've got Careless Love. You've got uh, The Sheik of Araby and just all kinds of good New Orleans classics done with Harry Connick and his big band. That's really cool. Um, George Lewis Band of New Orleans, uh, the album Jazz and Preservation Hall 4. Uh, George Lewis was an, uh, one of the first clarinet players there. So this is a, one of those old sounding albums and it's really, really okay. good. Uh, Baby Dodds Trio, uh, the album Jazz, Jazz a la Creole. They're the ones that do the the original Corin died on the battlefield. Okay. Uh, Jelly Roll Morton's The Discovery of Jazz. That's that's just an amazing one you can just put on in the background of anywhere. And, and then it, really any of the individual albums from the Preservation All Jazz Band, old and new, you got the Hurricane Sessions, uh, That's It was a really good one. It's literally called That's It with an exclamation points. You know, uh, Best of the Early yeah. Years, Songs of New Orleans. They've got, they've got like a, a million. Um, and they've actually got a box set, which uh, I got for Christmas a couple of years ago, which has like 75 tracks on it. It's really. Oh, wow. Yeah, that one's really good. Yeah, it was like five discs. Epic. Yeah, I mean, so if you're listening and you maybe want something a little bit different and you never explored this type of music, this might be a good album to start with. It is and a good starter one. Branch off from here. Absolutely. Yeah, this one and has whichever a little bit direction you choose to go. Yeah, um, I mean, if you if you know the bluegrass people, if you know the say classic rock exactly. people, you've got you got Dr. John, you've got Steve Earle, you got some country guys in there. Del McCory, like I said, I'm gonna explore some of that. I mean, that's. You can jump off in a lot of directions here. My Morning Jacket, so you got the jam bands in there. You got Tom Waits for the 
Yeah. Uh, Tom Waits fans? I'm not sure. What kind of music Tom Waits is specifically? Dark, <laughs> dark, moody crooner fans? <laughs> I don't know either. Uh, so um, before we wrap this up, you want to uh, tell the listeners out there what you're working on or if they can find you anywhere or anything you would like to pitch? I guess got to be something. <laughs> Well, today I think I'm going to use this pitch time to thank all the listeners and guests from the full two seasons of Music Rewind. I posted the other day on the socials how rewarding it's been, and that is a complete understatement. I have learned so much about everything from podcasting to interviewing to different types of music, and uh, it's been amazing to hear all of the stories behind these albums, both uh, uplifting stories, personal stories, everything. And then the music that's also taken me out of my comfort zone. There's been so many. And then you've got the feedback that comes to me. Uh, I've got a lot of great feedback about how either people are enjoying the conversations, again, those stories, regardless of their opinion of the music. Like I've had people say, I don't really like that Kiss album, but that episode was great. I loved the stories. Or... Paul McCartney ruined the Beatles, but I liked the episode. Literally, I did get that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, and, and, and I enjoy that. That was kind of the whole point of the show was to just let people tell the stories because uh, you know, for the most part, we are all not musicians of great renown. We are not, uh, we're not blue checks of named people. And to be able to tell your story to hundreds of listeners, which is quite nice, you know, it's, you know, I'm giving everybody a platform and myself and I, I'm enjoying it. It's a lot of fun. You don't have to like the music. Exactly. To enjoy the stories and the passion that people bring to each podcast. And I've also got a lot of feedback about how people may know one or two tracks, but they never gave the album any time. Yes. But realizing that there's so many other great tracks on those albums that they just missed or Good point. Uh like like you said, Animals, you know, just kind of fell off your radar. Yep. Uh that's I've gotten a lot of feedback of that nature. So so it's really cool. Season three is outlined. I've got a lot of great guests lined up, albums in the queue, and I am itching to get at it. But uh, I'm gonna take some time off to do some non-podcast stuff, clear my head, relax. Uh, listen to all those Red Hot Chili Peppers links that Luke keeps sending us that I haven't had time to watch them all <laughs> yet. Yeah. Keep, keep, keep them coming, Luke, but I just haven't gotten to them all yet. <laughs> Recording will resume this fall and winter. New episodes are out, will, will be out in 2023. And uh, keep a lookout for the winter announcements for the 2022 people's choice podcast awards because we were nominated in the best music podcast category which is pretty awesome thank you to anyone who uh, nominated us yeah that's quite an honor that's really cool too really cool to have such a small small outfit uh to get that well just to be nominated i mean yeah is a is a huge deal that's cool it's, it's amazing everyone needs to buy some gotham cigars and you know, go and listen to the rest of season one and season two if you haven't yet. Yeah, there you go. 
All right, Steve Ball, um, I'd like to thank you for your time today. Pleasure, as always, sit with you and talk about the Preservation Hall Jazz Band. Thanks for doing this, Alan. I appreciate it. Always fun. Hopefully in season three, you're, you can finally narrow in an album you want to do. Oh, it's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard to narrow it down. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you again for listening to Music Rewind, a podcast from the Sidereal Media Group. And as I always say, listen to the full album. Until next time. A podcast from the Sidereal Media Group. Back to you, anchors.